Welcome back to Master Your Ash. I'm your host, Michael Prisdale, and today I'm on location at Infuego with my good friend, Char. How you doing, Michael? Good, man. How are you? Good to have you back, brother. Hey, man. Glad to be back. I, you know, I try to make it out here as often as I possibly can, but it's always a pleasure when I can catch you, catch up, have a stick, all that fun stuff. And I'm so happy to have you on the on the show today. Oh, the feeling is mutual. I'm happy to be on the show and always happy to have a cigar and a chat with you. So, Awesome, man. What, uh, what are we smoking today? So we are smoking the Garagiste from Illusione Cigars. One of my favorites in their line, um, but interestingly, one of the least known in the Illusione portfolio. Um, everyone, yeah. everyone, I think, is familiar by now with, with the great work that Dion does. Um, majority of the cigars, if not all of them, are, are uh, rolled down at Aganorsa, mm -hmm. uh, which, which again is another phenomenal factory, phenomenal farms. Um, but the Garagiste, um, when they brought that out, uh, the name caught my attention just because of the French aspect of it. Um, I grew up, I grew up overseas, so. Mm -hmm. uh, but when I smoked it, I noticed it's it's very different from the rest of their line. Sure. And it quickly became a favorite for me. I brought it in, and quite honestly, we struggled initially the first several months with sales. People just weren't they weren't picking it up, and if they were, they weren't coming back to it. Um, but I'm very committed to this cigar and it's done a lot of work and that's what we're going to smoke today. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, you know, first off, turning me on to this particular one because I, being an Illusione fan, and also having um, the thing two, two or three weeks ago, depending upon when this episode comes up, I had personally come in, I grabbed the Corona Gorda White Horse because I wanted to do a Candela and I wanted the right Candela. I wanted a very specific Candela. I've always been a fan of the way that Dion Giolito and Illusione have kind of blended their Candelos. And I, I grabbed the cigar out of here, I had it on the show, and it's phenomenal, yep. you know? So this was something that you turned me on to. Um, I had already smoked one before. I told you kind of my notes and I brought along a cocktail that I think pairs really, really well with it. Um, so we're gonna get into kind of uh, just our friendship, your involvement in the cigar industry and a little bit of history, but what I brought for you to try is a Nevada Sour. And this is just a New York Sour made with Frey Ranch bourbon, which is always a constant feature on the show, I feel like, because it's a Nevada-made product, similar to how Giolito is a Kind of a Nevada master blender or he's blender Nevada, of cigars. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, he's a Nevada product. Yeah, yeah and Enfuego is a Nevada lounge. Absolutely, so I absolutely. felt like the synergy was there. This cocktail that I made is uh, just equal parts sour to Frey Ranch. So fresh lemon, a little bit of cane sugar syrup or simple syrup as we like to call it and refer to it. Frey Ranch, one and a half ounces. And then just a nice little float of red wine because this roughly translates in French to uh, table wines or garage wines for that, that matter. That's right. So that's right. Uh, Lugione, they, they specifically said, I guess in their half wheel interview that this was designed to pair with all different types of wine formats. And I, I appreciated when I smoked the first one that you made, that you asked me to try uh, before the show that it seemed like a little bit of tannin from maybe some red wine or some oak would kind of set it off. So I just wanted to, to share this with you and toast to you, man, and to well, I appreciate this. that, Michael. Thank you very much. Cheers, brother. Cheers. Oh, that's lovely. That's, that's refreshing. Especially yeah. since it's about 109 degrees outside right now, for those of you that are watching. Yeah, it's still, we're still holding on to summer. 
Yeah, I got a little, little late heat wave going on here. Yep. So tell me a little bit, uh, we could spark this up if you're ready, but tell me a little bit about this beautiful soft flame lighter that you brought out for us today. Yeah, so <laughs> um, as I mentioned earlier, I, I grew up uh, overseas. I grew up in, in Europe and in, in Brussels and London and Paris. Mm -hmm. Spent many years there before I came to the US. Um, I am a big fan of accessories in general. Sure. Um, I, I don't look at my lighters and my cutters as just lighters and cutters. They, I have a whole variety that depending on how I'm dressed, where I'm going, the occasion, I, I match them up. But more importantly, um, what, what, what I was taught when I started smoking cigars at a very early age is the soft flame is a better way to light your cigar mm -hmm. than the jet flame. Right. So whether you're doing it by taking a, a piece of wood like they, they traditionally do and, and, and you know, uh, lighting that and using that to light your, 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 your cigar, or whether you, you, know, you use something like a traditionally a Dunhill or a DuPont mm -hmm. um, would have amazing soft flame lighters that kind of cost uh, an arm and a leg. Expensive. Compared to, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've always been passionate about it. And you know, one of the, the countries that um, is very passionate about their accessories is Japan. And the Japanese, um, not just in, in, in accessories and in, in, in lighters, but in, I think, a variety of things, they have a lot of products over there that we never see over here. Sure. And so um, I look at that, and we brought in this brand. It's called Karibi. Mm -hmm. um, they are traditionally lighters for pipes. Mm -hmm. um, but we carry them here at Enfuego Henderson, the, uh, the whole range. Um, mm -hmm. And I've been using this for a couple of years now to light up my cigars. So traditional soft flame, um, the, the, the traditional Dunhill uh, format, you know, you flip the top, you have a little, and mine is a little worn, so, but you get the flame and it it'll shoots out to the side like it would for a pipe, but it's also very convenient for a cigar, so I can toast my cigar a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then when I go to light it, what's happening is I'm not burning the tobacco the way a jet lighter would if, if you don't know how to use a jet lighter properly. I know most people know how to do that, but uh, I do occasionally see people that uh, burn their tobacco. Mm -hmm. And you just don't do that with a soft lighter. So this is my, my preferred way to light uh, is soft flame. And Karibi is just one of many soft flame lighters that we carry. We obviously have some DuPonts. Um, we carry the soft, there's one model of soft flame lighter that uh, Brizard and Co. does, the, the, the French brand that's out of California. Okay. Um, Cereal Brizard is the owner of that. He, they do a, a wonderful lighter. Um, and then, you know, even, even Jetline has a couple of soft flames that are fantastic. So. We, uh, we, we did a Cigar 101 as the first episode, and I, was, um, I wasn't even going to do it. I was going to dive right into Master Your Ash being where you pair cigars and spirits, and we'll, we'll dive into a, a, you know, the conversation that we had off, you know, off camera and kind of bring that to the forefront, of course, but one of the, a couple of my friends that were advising me on the channel when I was getting it going, they were like, you know, we really just think that a Cigar 101 would be the f best first episode that you could possibly do. And I said, well, I mean, it's YouTube, right? It's, uh, it's Spotify, it's uh, every other digital format that's available. There are dozens of Cigar 101 episodes. And it's like, yeah, but 
what is your cigar 101? What is your preferred method? What do you like to see? What do you like to experience? And what has, I mean, I've been smoking cigars now for a little over 15 years. I'm sure that you probably have me beat in that, in that category just based off of uh, how long you've been able to maintain being alive on this planet, which is longer than me, <laughs> I hope. Uh, and it's just like, you know, you, you come up with certain things that, because uh, in the cigar world I said that there are rituals and there are things that uh, you experience when you enter into a cigar lounge that people feel as though like they're going to they're going to kick you out if you don't do it precisely and correctly, and that's often a misconception. Absolutely, right? yeah, it can be can be very intimidating um, depending on where you are. But but I would say here in, in the United States, I found that cigar smoking is all about welcoming people that appreciate a cigar, want to relax and, and, and just sharing that moment. So uh, hopefully uh, your listeners are not experiencing that type not. of environment. I, I, you know, there's been a few places I've walked into in the country where uh, they haven't been very welcoming or been, let's just say they've been a little bit cold. Mm -hmm. uh, but honestly, you experience that more overseas where cigar smoking is, is still a very elitist activity. Right, um, sure. It's kind of like golf. Uh, people don't realize that, you know, unless you're in the UK or in the United States, everywhere else golf is an elitist sport. It's, it's, you have to be a member of a country club. You have to, not everybody, not, not everybody golfs, right? Sure. Here in the United States, you can get on a municipal course for 10 bucks in, in, in most parts of the country. And, and golf, no matter what your economic background is, um, cigars are the same way. Sure. Cigars are very expensive overseas. The taxation is, is generally what causes the price of cigars to be two, three, four times more expensive than they are here in the United States. Right. Um, so, you know, um, we're fortunate. We, a guy can have a very good cigar for six to ten dollars and enjoy a, a wonderful experience. And so we seem to be a little bit more laid back and more welcoming. I mm -hmm. think uh, so it's an every, every man thing. Absolutely. A lot of times I bring up the luxury premium aspects and the boutique or salon brands as Matt Booth likes to ascribe his particular brand. Right. But um, what got you into smoking cigars? Because we have a good opportunity segue. You are the partner of a cigar lounge. You are the owner of a cigar lounge in Las Vegas. So what got you first started into smoking cigars? Walk me through that and then walk everybody else through what got, what, what was the aha moment where you were like, I'm gonna own a cigar lounge in Las Vegas? Okay, great, it's two, two good questions in there. Um, so first of all, every, every person I believe remembers their first cigar. Mm -hmm. uh, I grew up in, in a household where my, my father, to this day, he's, uh, God bless him, he's 75, 76 years old now. He would smoke one cigar every day, every evening. And we would be playing at his feet when we were children. Okay. Um, he would be sitting in his chair smoking a cigar. This is overseas? This is overseas. This is when I, I remember this as early as when I was six years old in London. You were where? Uh, London. London, okay. I, I spent the age of six to 10 in, in London. Okay. And then we moved to Brussels from, from 10 to 17. I was in, in Brussels. Well, that entire time, my dad lit up a cigar every night. Okay. His favorite cigar was the Monte Cristo number no. two, uh, Cuban, obviously Cuban Habanos. Bellicoso, um, huh? Loves the, the, the Torpedo The Bellicoso. Torpedo Belly, yeah. That's, that was his favorite cigar. But he had a whole, whole range of them in his humidor. 
But long story short, I grew up with the smell of cigars. Mm -hmm. I always loved, you know, I hugged my dad, I kissed my dad, he smelled like cigars. Right. Um, and so I grew up with it. And when uh, I was graduating high school, it was 17 years old, graduation night, I stole two Monte Cristo number twos from his uh, humidor. <laughs> and my good friend Jason Wood and I um, smoked that cigar all the way to the nub. We were literally holding it up with two pennies. Mm -hmm. We enjoyed it so much. I thought I was gonna turn green, I didn't. I smoked the whole thing and right. so did he. That was my first cigar. And so I, from the age of 17, um, oh, you know, over 30 years now, I've been, I've been smoking cigars. Mm -hmm. um, started off slow because it was an economic issue and it was a access issue it was a sure. not being educated issue but i would sure. say like from the age of 17 to maybe 21 22 i would have the occasional cigar when i could get my hands on one right setting i would smoke it um, once i reached the age of 21 and, and i graduated business school i had a job i started smoking cigars regularly mm -hmm. um, used to be maybe one a week, one every other week, and from there I graduated to being kind of a regular smoker. So, now your second question about how did I, how did the light bulb go off? Mm -hmm. um, so, here I am now years later, uh, I was managing partner for a, a consulting firm. I ran the North American office, was, was my territory. The consulting firm was Swiss-based. Um, okay. I would fly to Switzerland or Germany every quarter to have a worldwide partners meeting. The Swiss partner was a big cigar smoker and he knew I was too. I, I lived in cigar shops. That's, mm -hmm. I didn't go to the office, I went to a cigar shop. I worked out of a, a cigar shop when I wasn't traveling. Right. He and I would travel together a lot. We had shared customers that were on both sides of the water. And I noticed that he always smoked Cohibas. That was his, his one stick, that, one cigar that he smoked, two, three a day. He always noticed that I smoked all kinds of, you know, Roma Craft and Hoya de Nicaragua, Illusione, Tatuaje, and, mm -hmm. and he'd never heard of these brands, so we would always share notes. Well, one trip, um, he, the, the dates come out, I needed to be in, in Zurich for a partner's meeting for the week, and he says to me, don't fly home on Friday evening. I would always take the evening flight to New York back home. He said, take the Saturday uh, flight. I have a surprise for you. Okay. I said, all right. So fast forward, I get there. He picks me up at my hotel at about 10 in the morning in Zurich. And we start walking and he says, I wanted to keep you here on Saturday because I want to take you to my tobacconist. And honestly, you know, we're walking down the Strasse. Anyone's been in, in Zurich, you've got a beautiful river, uh, you know, center of town. We're walking away from that towards what's becoming more of a residential area. Zurich's a very old city. They have these beautiful brownstone homes that are, you know, multi-million dollar homes that are kind of like in New York, big brownstones. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, did this guy really make me miss my weekend with my family to go to a <laughs> cigar shop in Zurich? Like, I've been to cigar shops all over the world. Why, why is he making me go to this place in Zurich? Okay. Right? So we walk a good 35, 40 minutes, get our, get our exercise in for the day and we show up in front of this massive brown home, brownstone uh, home. Mm -hmm. There's no sign, nothing. Big door, big wood oak door. He takes the big bell thing, he pounds on the door. This little window opens and the guy goes, ah, Herwoleb, was his name. 
opens the door and he lets us in and he introduces me. He says, this is my tobacconist. And I'm standing in this guy's, the, the lobby, the foyer of his house. Mm -hmm. A very well-dressed Swiss gentleman on a Saturday morning. And in his own home. In his own home. Okay. Introduces me, welcomes me, and he, and he says, this is, you know, Christoph says, this is my tobacconist. I only buy my cigars from him. And I was like, ah, oh, it's funny he says that because I've traveled all over with him. I've been to Madrid Airport where, you know, you can get great Cuban prices mm -hmm. at, at their, at their uh, cigar shops. He would never buy anything. Um, you know, we were in Zurich together. He would never buy anything. So this is his tobaccos where he buys. Okay. Well, the guy takes this, you know, he opens this door and I'm, I'm expecting a living room. Instead, we walk into a room completely humidified wood panels, shelving all around, big massive like chef's table in the middle. And he's got all these orders laid out with, you know, paperwork and boxes of cigars and he goes, Herb, we'll have your orders here and sure enough there's three boxes of Cohibas okay. for Christoph. So Christoph takes out his card, the guy takes out his iPhone and runs the card through his iPhone. And How long ago was this? This is in 2000, uh, 12, early, well, February of 2012, okay. right? Okay. Um, so the sorry, square 2011. Okay, so February the square reader was like brand new. Correct. <laughs> February of 2011. So that, that little reader was, Square was the first company to have that, and they had it over there. So, so as they're doing that, I said, may I look around? And, and he says, absolutely, you can look around, you can buy, he says. So, okay. So I'm looking around, he's got all these Cubans, everything's in boxes, there's no singles available. It's, it's sure. not like a humidor in our shop. It's all just boxes of Cuban cigars all the way around. Had a little bit of New World cigars is what they called it. There was a, I remember because they had <laughs> Like some, New World and Old World wine? Right, they had some Hoya de Nicaragua. They had a little bit of Ashton. I, I, I remember those brands. Mm. Um, but I pick out a couple boxes of Cubans and I hand him my card, he runs it. And then he says, will you be joining us for a cigar? And Christoph said, of course, that's why we came. Mm -hmm. So there was a little side door in that room and he opens the door and we, we walk into this living room that is just majestic. I mean, if anybody knows anything about Switzerland, they're, they're meticulous about everything, right? So I walk in, you've got these wood floors with Persian carpets, old leather chairs, mm -hmm. paintings on the wall, bookshelves. There was a guy sitting in the corner, he was in a full suit on a Saturday reading his paper, smoking a cigar. Another guy was sitting by himself also well-dressed, smoking a cigar. This is in this gentleman's living room? This is in this living room, right? Okay. It looks like a living room. And then big French doors that looked onto this courtyard that was just with a fountain, just majestic, it's very Swiss, right? Sure. Perfect, pristine. So we sit down and he says, would you, you know, can I offer you a cognac? Can I offer you a whiskey? And we're like, it's a little early for us. We'll just take some espressos. Yeah. And we light up. And at that moment, I look at Christoph and I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, I'm just blown away. Right. So Christoph says, I'm going to let him tell the story. Well, the guy sits down with us and he explains. He says, you know, he's a third generation tobacconist. His grandfather opened a, a, a tobacco store on the main Strasse, the main street in, in Zurich. Mm -hmm. They owned the building. He was third generation. And then the anti-smoking laws took effect in the mid 2000s. Okay. It was getting more and more difficult for him to allow smoking in the store. Finally, with all the complaints that they had from the shops next door, the city came and said, okay, you're not allowed to have smoking inside anymore. So he spent like three years running a shop, 80% uh, cigars, 
The rest was like pipes and cigarettes and things like that. Mm -hmm. Not the head shop stuff. It was a very nice story of course. from what he told me. But he just got sick of going to work and not being able to light up. And more importantly, he had about a dozen chairs in his shop that people would come and sit and enjoy a cigar and have a conversation with him. Mm -hmm. Now they'd sit for two minutes, catch up, and then leave. Mm -hmm. So after about three years, he said, you know what, I've had enough. Um, and he told the customers, I'm giving you notice and I'm, sh I'm shutting down in four months. And uh, the customers revolted. The customers basically came back to him and said, you can't shut down. So he thought about it and he said, you know what, if I move the operation to my home, and so he basically set everything up in his home. He took the, the ground, this was like a, when I say brownstone, this was like a four or five story, we had an elevator, right? Okay. Four or five story old, several hundred year old home that was massive. Sure. He took the ground floor. He was, I remember because he was, so closed on Sunday, closed on Monday. Tuesday through Friday by appointment only. And uh, the hours were like 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Mm -hmm. And then on Saturdays, it was open to the public until 5 p.m. That was his hours. And he told me that in his little black book, he had over 900 customers that bought the majority of their cigars from him. And that kept him in the business. It kept him motivated and incentivized to keep his license going wow. and to sell cigars. And I got to tell you, when I got on that flight that evening back to New York, I spent that entire flight trying to put a business plan together mm -hmm. to have this guy's lifestyle. Problem was, the numbers didn't work. Okay. As a, as a, as a consultant and especially a managing partner of a pretty big firm, you make a lot of money. Uh, you yeah. make a lot of money. You're not going to replace that selling cigars. Even if you put a bar in there, you're not going to replace it. So, I, you know, my, my mind was all messed up because I was looking at the problem the wrong way. But I got to tell you, I spent a couple of weeks trying to figure out what it was that made me go, I want to do what this guy does. Okay. My entire life, I've been either a tech executive or a consultant turning around companies, okay. making great money, great living, yeah. but I had no passion for it. Um, I, I only did it because the money was good and I just figured that one day I'll know what I want to do and you know you need money, you need experience when you, when you figure that out, right? Sure. Watching this guy and what he built and the lifestyle, it took me a couple weeks to figure out, stop looking at the money, how much is the lifestyle worth to you? Right. And then I just realized that, hey, if you run the business correctly, the money will come. Like, it, it'll be successful. Now, you may not make the kind of money you were making you sure. know, flying to China and reconfiguring, you know, factories in China. But you're going to make a decent living. And so once that kind of liberated my thought process, it was just a matter of time before I decided that it was time to get in. It's a really nice story. It's, you know, it's, it's my story. It's, 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 yeah. it's how it all panned out. And then I got to tell you, it took another... Um, it's interesting. So when I decided that that's what I wanted to do, I, I knew enough about the cigar industry from... Actually, if you know Island Jim from Leaf, by, uh, Leaf mm -hmm. by Oscar, so Island Jim owns the Leaf and Bean in Pittsburgh. That okay. was my home shop. That's where I was based. I, he opens at seven in the morning because he has a coffee bar. I would be there at five to seven, grab my coffee, sit in the corner, and work all day. Mm -hmm. right? So in that time, as I, Jim and I got to know each other, Jim Robinson, um, he taught me a lot about the business. One of the things he taught me is it's a relationship business. Right, mm -hmm. so he didn't carry padrones. He didn't carry 
Tatuaje, why? He didn't have a relationship with those companies. And he'd been in business for, at that point, like nine or 10 years, and he had no access to those brands. So what I started to do in preparation for getting into the business one day was I started flying to Nicaragua, flying to Honduras. Okay. Uh, any trip I could get on where I could meet a manufacturer. I went to the trade show in 2012 and in Orlando. Okay. And I remember I approached Dion. I approached Pete Johnson. I approached a lot of these guys, introduced myself. I said, I'm going to be opening a store in Las Vegas. I wanted to introduce myself because I would like to carry your brand. Okay. And they all kind of looked at me the same way. Like, yeah, we've heard this a hundred times. Like, sure. come back when you have a store, right? Sure. We're busy right now. Um, but. That the, it's a relationship building, and I, I spent a, a year doing that. And then fortunately, we, um, we, we, uh, we were bought out. Our, our consulting firm, our global consulting firm, was acquired by KPMG in, in late 2012. So at that point, my wife, my dog, and I packed our stuff. I had a house here in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. We drove across the country, and I went to work on trying to open a place here and I ended up partnering with my, my buddy Michael mm -hmm. within Fuego. That's how that's how I got into the business. Awesome. Well, a lot of times we talk about on this particular show the fact that cigars and spirits are commodities of civilization is how I categorize it in my own words. I feel as though that we've always brought cigar brought tobacco and brought spirit production, tobacco production with us throughout time, similar to the Romans bringing wine with them, similar to, you know, the new world and the, uh, the silk trade with tobacco, right? So these two things have followed us as a civilization, as humanity has kind of evolved. And the products have evolved with us too. And a lot of times what I try to do is just find little specific points to bridge the gap because I truly feel as though that both are better together than they ever can be separate, right? So one of the beauties is that the alcohol trade, which I'm very familiar with because that's my profession, my career, um, is also about relationship building. And it's, it's always about relationships, especially for, uh, for a city like Las Vegas and a state right, like Nevada, right? right? Because the, it's always going to be a very small city, no matter how big it seems to get. And I'm a, I was born in New Jersey. My parents are very, very much East Coast people. Um, my wife was born in Pennsylvania. She was raised for a little while in Nebraska and in the Dakotas. And then she moved with her dad to Japan when she was seven and lived in Japan until she was in her 20s. So uh, meticulous products were, you know, yep. meticulous accessories out of Japan yep. is what I noticed when I proposed in 2019 and I got a chance to meet her and her dad, or I got a chance to meet her dad and her family out there. Um, but jumping into kind of, or segueing, I guess you could say, into what we're experiencing right now with the Illusione and this particular cocktail pairing, what do you look for when you're when you're enjoying your cigar as far as for beverage enjoyment. I know that you said you would always start your day with your coffee, of course. And I, I truly love coffee and cigar. I think that it's a no-brainer, right? But when you're when you're starting off with a beverage, where do you usually start with or what are like your go-tos? And then if you are going to dive into alcohol, where do you usually see yourself? That's a that's a great question. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, I, 
a lot of thoughts going through my head because I, I, I guess it, I always go back to the journey, right? So mm -hmm. when I when I was young, I was I was fortunate to have my first my first two bosses out of school were big bon vivors, right? They, mm -hmm. they loved food, alcohol. Um, one didn't smoke, the other one I introduced to cigars. Okay. And he became an avid cigar smoker. Right. Uh, but, you know, live music and, and just the setting of, you know, bars and, and clubs or, or, you know, the, in, in, in Brussels, the, the, the champagne bar, which is uh, not quite the strip club and, and, and definitely not a brothel or anything like that, but, but a place where beautiful women hang out and you go and have expensive drinks late night. Sure. That's what they were into. Okay. So I got an education. And, and the education I got was on food, basically, especially the French, you know, how you're supposed to eat, what you're supposed to eat. Like, there's just certain things that don't go together. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you, you go to a Sizzler buffet and, and on the same <laughs> plate people have, you know, a, a burger, Chinese food, salad, and, and, and their, their jello for their dessert are all on the same plate. Like, that's... Horrific if you if you do that in certain cultures, right? Yeah, um, some some of our buffets are like that too, or were like that absolutely. when we had more of them. Well, what it is is it's a reflection of our people, right? So our, our, our culture and our people don't know any better. Just because there's a buffet that has 85 things doesn't mean you should put 17 things on your plate, right? And in fact, you should be pairing certain things because you don't, you know, you maybe you start you have your salad and then you start with the appetizer and have some shrimps and some crab legs and then you move on to, mm -hmm. you know, having a, a, a pot or a whatever, right? Sure. Uh, there's a whole art to that, and I was taught that early on because of where I grew up. The same lesson was taught to me about wine. I was the, the most valuable lesson anybody gave me was, if you want to learn about wines, there's two ways to do it. You can buy the most expensive wine, just go to the grocery store or the liquor store, buy the most expensive bottles of wine, you're always going to end up with a great bottle of wine. Or you do it the way that I was taught to do it, which is you go to the grocery store, you go to the liquor store, you buy a dozen different bottles of wine that you can economically afford, right? Mm -hmm. You taste those dozen bottles, and the ones that you like, you buy a case and you put it aside and let it age and enjoy when you want to enjoy it. Kind of sounds like how most people start with cigars, too. So that's that's where I'm. That's where exactly where I'm going. I, I tell that uh, you know when 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 somebody walks into our humidor, we probably have about 300, 350 facings in in, in, in this humidor, and we have probably over five, six hundred facings in our Sahara location. Mm -hmm. um, I always tell them when they come in and they say I'm a new smoker, and can you start me off with something mild? Uh, I always say to them I'm jealous of you. Yes. Because you're starting out at the beginning of this beautiful journey. Yes. Where literally, like I've spent. God, you know, that's so true. Isn't it right? Isn't that so isn't that true? Correct? That is so true. You know, and with wine, to me, it feels like wine is never ending. Like, like okay. Wine, you know, what, you, it never ends. Like you can, you can taste new wines for the rest of your life. When it comes to cigars, it's it's also true. There's there's so yeah. many cigars. Like I said, if I have over 350 cigar facings in my humidor, it means that you can come in here every day of the year and smoke one different cigar mm -hmm. for the rest of the year. And that process is amazing because what I noticed is, you know, I was a mild smoker to begin with. Maybe it was the Cuban cigars that I was smoking in, in, in Europe. I had sure. no palate, right? So 
a lot of people make the mistake of calling Cubans mild. Like, Cubans have some full-body cigars too. Yeah, Partigas, um, Bolivar. I mean, there's absolutely there's plenty absolutely. out there. Yeah, but you need a palate to distinguish that. Hundred percent. And I was very honestly admit that I had no palate the first twenty years that I smoked. Okay. I didn't. Maybe I didn't smoke enough. Maybe I didn't smoke regularly. Maybe I didn't pay attention to it. I was too focused on my career. Mm-hmm. Um, cigar smoking was not a, a, a hobby activity for me. It's just something I did. Right. Mm-hmm. Once I really got into it. And that was when I moved to the United States and I really started living in cigar stores. Um, I started off my journey with mild. I quickly graduated to medium body cigars. That's where I got to know a lot of the Illusione cigars because I I, I found them to be very medium body. Sure. Uh, And then I graduated to full body cigars. And funny enough, I also graduated at the same time that I went to full body. I started uh, having a preference for and, and don't shoot me for this, but six by sixty gauge, right? So right. the big fat cigar that was super strong yeah. is what I enjoyed. Probably did that for about a year, and smoking five to ten cigars a day, there was nights I'd go to bed, and my my mouth was just trashed. Yeah, it was just no matter Palate how fatigue. much. Yeah, just trash. No matter how how much I, I, I used dental hygiene, you know, was was a big thing for me, but didn't matter. If you yeah. if you smoked, you know three LFDs and, and <laughs> throughout the day, your your mouth is done. So at that point, I kind of reassessed, and I went back to the mediums, and then I went back to the milds, mm-hmm. and 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 somewhere along that journey, the last I'd say five, six, seven years, um, I smoke everything, and I smoke everything based on how I feel. So coming back to your question, mm-hmm. um, I'm so in tune with my palate, whether it's food alcohol beverages non-alcoholic beverages mm-hmm. or cigars that to me it's about what mood am i in mm-hmm. right uh so i can tell you last night uh was poker night here in the store okay i was hunkered in for the night i knew that i was going to be here late and so i had uh lit up a cigar uh, a big churchill that i was going to enjoy for about two hours and I felt like having a glass of wine. So I went to the back where I keep my personal stash of liquor and uh, cracked open a nice uh, bottle of red. Mm. And that was the mood that I was in. I just wanted to have wine, a glass of wine with my cigar and sit in the private side of our, our shop because we have a, a private lounge here that's 24-7. The, the poker was going on here. So about 30 people playing poker in here and right. I wanted the quiet side. And so that's what I was in the mood for. Other times, um, you know, especially if I'm having a conversation like we're having now, like this is the perfect drink. Right. I want something, something that goes with the conversation. We're exploring, we're dropping knowledge on each other, we're sharing yeah. experiences. Um, the mood is what dictates what I look for more okay. than anything else. The pairing is interesting too. So, so what are you getting off of this? So first of all, I will, I will, I will say this. I. I always happen to distinguish what's going on with the cigar from what's going on with the beverage. Mm-hmm. I, I, I nev- those two never mix for me. And I don't know if you or anybody else, when they're, when they're pairing stuff, are they actually getting like one experience? I get two experiences out of it. I think, I think the two experiences is correct. Right, so, so then what happens to me is if, if it's not paired right, 
it's not a great experience. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean that it's bad, it doesn't taste bad. It's just, hey, I'm either not enjoying the cigar as much and I'm enjoying the drink more, <laughs> or I'm enjoying the cigar, but I'm not really enjoying the drink. What's happening here is I'm enjoying both tremendously. Okay, that's with, good. With the Oof. cocktail taking, no. the cocktail's definitely taking the front seat. Sure. I prefer the cocktail, but the cigar is wonderful. It's a, it's a companion to the cocktail. It, it doesn't interfere with the cocktail. The right. cocktail's not interfering with the cigar. I'm getting the best of both worlds. Right. And oftentimes, uh, what I like to mention is that, you know, certain cigars have transition. Like, with this particular one, I wrote down some of my notes. I had, like, this, this bitter kind of leathery taste right up front. Then there was, like, this sweet cream that came in with it. And it had, it had very, very smooth, refined transitions was what I noticed the most. What I wanted out of it or what I wanted to put next to it was the tannins. And that's where I was thinking in my head, you know, the Gara, it's garage wine. Like they talk about wine for a reason. There's, there's a specific thing and like, I always feel as though that red wine is a very, very difficult category to pair with a lot of cigars because it's, it, it can overwhelm the palate. It can really get in there and just take too much of the forefront. So I took a step back and I said, okay, well, I think that there's red wine cocktails out there, like the New York Sour or in this particular the Nevada Sour, which is just the bourbon, the lemon juice, and a, a, just a nice little float of red wine where I can get that complimentary experience of getting the tannins from the red wine and the oak but there's also that kind of refreshing citrus that, that complements the cigar and, and kind of adds to that pairing, right? And I think, that, I think that I probably waited until episode six or seven before I even did a whiskey, because I just feel whiskey is a very broad category. It's very difficult mm -hmm. once again, because it can be Absolutely. overwhelming to a cigar, but yet everybody's like, when are you gonna do a whiskey? Why, why would you do cognac first? Well, cognac has, some sugar added to it. It has a nice aromatic profile. You know, if you if you drink grappa, you drink pisco, you drink any of these grape varietal spirits, you're used to having this full spectrum of, of aromatic. And when you get to like whiskey and other spirits or a vodka, even even gin has such a beautiful aromatic portfolio that, that can yes, pair with cigars so well. And it's like, like you were saying, you know, with cigars, you can go into the humidor, you can grab 300 different cigars. They're all going to be somewhat of a different blend. They're all going to be, you know, a different mix between which country of origin they're from, how much of this is added into that, whether it's Lajero, whether it's Seiko, whether it's Visa, what part of the plant, the priming, the, the curing, the aging, all of that is so beautiful to me. And I feel like each product in the spirit world is very unique in that way, right? So... I, I really appreciate that. I'm glad that you enjoyed the pairing. I'm glad that it worked out too, because in my mind, when I smoked the first cigar, like I said, I, I said, we need a little bit of tannin, not too much. You know, you could definitely pair a wine with this stick and it, it would go great. It, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting cigar because it, it, it reminds me of some of the, the women I used to chase when I was in my 20s, right? The first <laughs> little part of the cigar does everything in its power to get you to give up on the cigar. Which is what a lot of the women I went after would do because back in those days I was a lot heavier. 
Okay. And, uh, and, and you know, uh, li living especially in Europe where they're very conscious about their, uh, their looks and their, 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 their bodies, uh, I can tell you that, you know, the first uh, initial, you know, call it the first five puffs of, of chasing a, a, a lady was, was all about them trying to get me to give up. Okay. Uh, it, but if you persevered, and, and you didn't, uh, you didn't know, quit. You, you didn't quit. Um, and, and of course, they, assuming they weren't, it wasn't a hard no. It was just a, hey, you're not going to want any of this. Um, this cigar does the same thing. I think when you get past the initial, like you said, that initial bitter, it's a very strange initial taste. And it's every time. Every time I've looked at cigar, and we, we, we've carried it in a Robusto. We've carried it in a, in a smaller... Um, I don't know. Corona Gorda? Or? It's, like a, it's like a smaller Corona. It's a short Corona. It's like a short Robusto, baby. Okay, right? so Petite Corona, something like that. Something like that. I've, I've had it in all the different sizes, and it just really tries in the beginning to get you to just not like it. Okay. Um, but once you get past that, it, this complex, beautiful flavor profile uh, opens up. And Great. Um, interestingly, I had not thought about pairing this with anything when I initially smoked the cigar several times. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I talked to Dion and Brian at Illusion, it was their recommendation to pair this. Mm -hmm. and, and they recommended bourbon. Bourbon Interesting. was what they actually told me we should, we should pair it with. Interesting. So uh, getting the chance to pair it with Frey Ranch, which is a, a, a company that you know I really wasn't familiar with until recently, and then it's a, it's a Nevada company, and mm -hmm. um, you know for for those of us that live over here in this great state, we love this state. Like yeah. everybody in this in this state loves the state, and we wanted uh, you know we wanted to celebrate that. Frey Ranch, you know, unbeknownst to me, is older than the state of Nevada. The, the family's been there, you know, since. I don't know, 1854. Right? So before the, the Nevada became a state, yep. right? And uh, so we got a, a beautiful product there. We have a beautiful product in Illusione mm -hmm. that's, that's that's from Nevada, and then we've got, of course, in Fuego Henderson, <laughs> right here in the heart of heart of uh, Las Vegas, uh, and you know, wonderful comp company conversation. So it's great. Likewise, man. Likewise, I, I agree with that 100. percent is there anything else that you wanted to to talk about before we wrap things up with uh, with this cigar and just kind of uh, just kind of lean into another drink in a little bit? <laughs> yeah, um, listen, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Likewise, um, man. I, I love your show. I I love the art of pairing is is something I'm still on my early journey on. Yeah. Um, to your listeners, I would say, anytime you're in Henderson, uh, come come by our store. Ask for me. Refer to the podcast. Refer to the show. Where can where can everybody find you at specifically? Your socials, Instagram. What? Where can they find you? So our, our Instagram is in Fuego Vegas. Fuego Vegas. In Fuego Vegas. If you DM me on in Fuego Vegas, I'm the one that manages that. I'm the one that gets that. We'll load that um, on the screen. We'll definitely uh, definitely respond to you. And, and, and like I said, I, I love meeting people. If you haven't been to the store, whether you live locally or not. Let us know. Come by. Um, we do a lot of events, even even during COVID. We do smaller events on a regular basis. We don't market blast it like we used to because uh, we do have limitations uh, in order to keep everybody safe. But at the end of the day, uh, would love to hear from you. So 
Well, thank you for picking out the cigar today, man. I'm glad that I could pair something that was complimentary to it because it is a really nice smoke. And I think that it's one of the one of the underrated kind of expressions in that humidor that you have over there with all that goodie. Yeah, and actually, I don't know if this show will uh, will come out in time, but on September 24th, it's a Friday evening, uh, Illusione and uh, Frey Ranch Bourbon will be here in our private lounge for an event. Uh, we have 50 seats for that, 50, 50 participants. Um, it's gonna be $45 a head. You're gonna get two bourbons, and a cocktail. Oh. I, don't know, I don't know if it'll be this cocktail or another cocktail. We'll see what Rob does for us. But, yeah. Um, it'll be three drinks plus two cigars, one of which is going to be the Garagiste uh, from Illusion. And it's just a, a nice little get together. Uh, Rob from Frey Ranch will be, Rob Amato, he'll be talking about uh, the, the liquor side of things. Sure. Uh, Brian from Illusion will be talking about the cigar side of things. Uh, we're actually going to do some incredible deals on Illusion Cigar that night for anybody that's interested to buy, but uh, no obligation to do that. Get your ticket, book your seat. So if this show makes it out before the 24th, <laughs> they'll know. If it doesn't, you can ask us how it went. I'll talk to I'll talk to the people that you know do all the wonderful work behind the scenes for this show, and I'll make sure that we do our very best to get it out there and get it promoted beforehand. But I'm I'm pretty sure that there's going to be a very strong reception for that. It's two great brands and. It's a great store, and I really appreciate you taking some time out of your day today. I'm surprised that we didn't get pulled in any directions. We just, you know, we were able to chill for about an hour and Absolutely. knock this I, out. I, I you feel know? like I could keep going. I think so, too. All right. We'll Love have to it. do it again yeah, soon, bro. Anytime. Thank you very much. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank appreciate you. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for watching. Please feel free to like, comment, subscribe. At Master Your Ash on Instagram. Look out for our newsletter. You can drop us a line, leave us an email, and we'll sign you up for that. It comes out every single month with more information on Master Your Glass, Master Your Ash, all the wonderful segments that we're adding in. Please feel free to, once again, like, comment, and subscribe. My name is Michael Prisdell. Thank you very much.